Hi guys, what's up? It's Brittany and welcome to One Hotness. So guys, today we're going to be talking about the ways that men and women communicate differently. So I mean, men are from Mars, women are from Venus, right? So it only makes sense that we can communicate in totally different ways. And if maybe you're struggling to understand the opposite sex, well, let's break it down a little bit for you. Okay. So the first thing is body language. Men can be seen to keep themselves very much to themselves. While having a conversation, many men come across as serious and practical. You know, they will speak and listen, but there isn't much else going on. And a lot of men's communication is verbal, involving vocabulary. And women have another layer to their communication, nonverbal. Women tend to use gestures as visual aids while talking and using their facial expressions much more. You know, nodding their heads when listening, for example, is something that women typically do more than men. Using open body language and engaging their audience by talking with their hands is another thing that more women than men tend to incorporate into a conversation. And then there's apologizing. And for women, apologizing is a way of forming and maintaining connections with people. It just shows respect and humility. Many women understand that saying sorry can solve a lot of issues. And men often find apologizing harder than women as it feels as though they are giving in. They worry that they will be seen as weak for accepting blame and may feel as though their power or authority will be compromised by apologizing. When women are apologized to, it can almost feel like a bond. There's just a level of mutual respect with the person they're talking to, and they feel as though they have been listened to. Feeling as though their opinions are valued and taken into account is very important to women, which is why apologies can mean so much to them. Men, on the other hand, see being apologized to as the other person's way of accepting the hierarchy, and men can often feel as though this reinforces their position of power, you know, I don't know. And what about compliments, okay? Men don't tend to give out compliments as much as women do. And if they do, they are normally aimed at a potential partner rather than like a friend or a colleague. So women are much more likely than men to give out compliments. For them, it's like a way of forming a bond and showing respect. It's also a way of showing that they're on the same level as the person that they're talking to. And by complimenting someone, women show that they're not a threat and that they can be trusted. And this links 
and with a woman's need or desire to form connections and find commonalities. Okay, so up next is feelings versus factual. So, men like to get to the nitty-gritty early on. Conversation tends to serve a purpose. It's just simply a way to get the information needed. The conversations men have are often very fact-based, and they may revolve around sports results, work and finance, and conversations may end pretty suddenly as men often avoid small talk and unnecessary questions. But, you know, us women prefer to dig deep in conversations and try to explore the feelings of the person that they're talking with. And this is attributed to the fact that women are believed to be more compassionate and empathetic. Female friends prefer to talk about emotions and complex situations as opposed to uh, numerical or factual issues. Women just tend to be happier extending conversations than men do. All right, quality or quantity. Men, they most of the time just want to get to the point. In terms of conversation, there should be a goal. And once this is achieved, you know, the conversation can end. In the workplace, where men can feel particularly competitive, there is no need for pointless chat. And the conversation doesn't need to be long and flowing, and it can end once they're satisfied. But women are likely to have longer conversations, and these will involve questions about the other's personal life, such as asking about family members, health, and even weekend plans. And women often feel less competitive and would rather string out a conversation and maintain a good bond with the person they're talking to. Okay, so the devil's in the detail. Again, men like to get to the heart of the issue straight away, and they can be satisfied with a yes or no answer. Women, now, prefer to dive into the details and find out as much as possible. So women often look for context and background information rather than just simply responding to a situation in isolation. This lends itself to a woman's naturally empathetic side. They would rather see a situation in context and figure out why someone may be behaving the way that they are rather than making a snap judgment. When talking to, women are generally more willing to offer up details. And this could be about pretty much any aspect of life. Women are just happier sharing information about themselves, their relationships, and work than men tend to be. And this links back to the fact that men want to be efficient in their conversations and just get to that point as quickly as possible. Okay, so friend or foe. Men can see other people as a threat in ways that women often do not. 
and this tends to lead to a friend or foe situation where men quickly try to assess a person or a situation. And this can come across in a negative, slightly aggressive way at times as men are trying to filter information efficiently in order to understand the situation quickly. Women are much more likely to go for a more friendly approach and build a report back with whoever they are talking to. And this is what ultimately leads to those longer, detail-filled conversations that I mentioned earlier. And rather than seeing someone as a threat to their power or authority, women feel more compelled to find common interests or experiences and form bonds from them. What about negotiating? Oh, yeah. So for men, negotiating is often not an option. It's a sign of weakness and shows that they are giving in or being submissive to whoever they're talking to. And by going back on what they had said or agreeing to someone else's ideas or plans, men often feel as though they're being emasculated in terms of time too. Men prefer to cut to the chase and get things done quickly. Women tend to be happier negotiating. You know, finding a middle ground doesn't show weakness on anyone's behalf. Rather, a mutual respect and desire to get the job done. And this links in to the fact that women are more prone to having longer conversations where there is space for discussion and everyone will be heard and the important thing here for women is that things get done properly and often more fairly it's also important to note that these are quite general guidelines for how men and women might communicate differently you know they're not like rules set in stone of course every person is different Some men display the more feminine qualities and some women exhibit masculine traits. This episode merely seeks to highlight like the very real differences that sometimes exist in the way that men and women choose to communicate. All right, switching it up just a little bit. Now we're going to go over 10 reasons people feel uncomfortable around you. And, you know, what to do about it. So, the first thing, lack of personal space boundaries. Socialization is not always about what you say and how you say it. It's also about body language and physical space. And, you know, many people get anxious or uncomfortable when you stand too close to them or in their space. They may see it as intimidating or aggressive, which completely changes the tone of the social interaction. So what should you do? When talking to someone that you don't know or in public, a good rule of thumb is to be two arms lengths away. That is, if you raise your arm and they raise their arm, only your fingers would touch. 
and some suggest a single arm's length, but with COVID having been an issue, a little additional space is a choice where you just can't go wrong with it. And also, do not physically touch people that you do not know, okay? All right. All right, so the second thing is making inappropriate jokes or comments. All right. So there's a time and a place for inappropriate jokes or comments, and that place is usually in private with friends that you know won't be hurt or offended by them. You will find that people think you're weird if you don't know what kind of jokes are appropriate based on the company that you're in. So learn what's appropriate to joke about and what isn't, and a good rule of thumb is to never joke about traumatic experiences like violence or suicide because those have genuinely hurt people and avoid subjects like politics and religion because people are often too serious about their beliefs and they do not take kindly to being mocked and don't use insults as jokes or joke about a person's appearance so if you want to crack a joke or two consider the conversation and try to insert something light in there or a funny relevant antidote number three not respecting others opinions or beliefs not every opinion or belief is worth respecting respecting every opinion or belief allows people with evil beliefs that harm others to push their narratives however there's no great need to argue if it comes to a simple difference in perspectives and opinions. And if you choose to argue and you do it poorly, it will certainly affect how other people perceive you. If you want to know how to be polite, respecting a person's beliefs is probably like a good place to start. So, if someone says ugly or nasty things, by all means, speak up if you feel comfortable enough. Otherwise, try to adopt curiosity as a way to approach conversations. You can tell the person that you're interested in hearing their perspective, and you'll find that a lot of people like talking about themselves, and that will allow you to engage and have a good conversation. All right, number four, being overly aggressive or confrontational. Consider how you approach and come off to people. Aggressiveness sometimes has its place depending on the environment and people that you are around, but it's not appropriate in many social situations. People will flat out avoid you if you're aggressive and confrontational. You know, no one can be certain how far you'll take that. And few people want to get punched in the face or shot by an unstable person. And, um, yeah, most people are just kind of, you know, on the side of their safety. And you will alienate people with gentler personalities. So, what should you do? Well, many aggressive people don't necessarily realize that they're coming off as aggressive. For example... Suppose you grew up in a family where being loud and talking over each other was normal. In that case, that kind of behavior just becomes normal for you. But 
when you're learning how to act normally in a more socially acceptable way, you need to be able to identify confrontational behavior and tone it down. All right, up next, invading people's privacy and protecting yours. All right, so privacy is something that people take seriously. It makes people extremely uncomfortable if you get too personal too quickly. What is too personal, you may ask? Well, let's just say avoid asking about specific personal matters. It's okay to ask questions like, how is the family or how is your work going? You might also ask, what do you like to do for fun? These unspecific questions are good grease for the wheels of casual conversation. You know, they don't put the other person on the spot like they're being interrogated. So just suppose that you're someone who is quick to overshare when you talk about yourself. In that case, you want to take some time to consider some questions for casual conversation. And try not to overshare by trauma dumping and asking about their similar experiences. Avoid specific personal questions like, where do you live? You know, be mindful of your tone and how you ask further questions so that it doesn't seem like you're interrogating the person. A good rule of thumb is to say, may I ask, da 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 you know, doing so allows your conversation partner to say, I'd prefer to not answer that if that's how they feel. And then there is speaking too loudly or too softly. The right speaking voice is important for socializing. If you speak too loudly, you'll interrupt the people around you and put off the people that you're talking to. Also, people with typical social skills don't usually want to be the center of attention when it's not socially appropriate. So if you're talking loudly, it might cause other people to look in your direction. And speaking too softly makes it hard for other people to hear you, especially in a social situation with multiple people. So you want to just strive for a middle ground. So just practice. Take some time. Look in the mirror and practice. While talking to the mirror, consider your cadence and how loudly you speak in social situations. People tend to speed up their speech when excited, so be mindful of that also. And avoid interrupting or talking over others. Being mindful of your tone and your presentation, it will also help you learn to be less self-conscious naturally because you're practicing to find your comfort level. Number seven is being unpredictable or unreliable. You know, it's astounding how many people think that being late is just something that other people should deal with. Of course, shit happens and that's okay. What's not okay is being regularly unreliable or unpredictable because people learn they can't count on you. And if they can't count on you, why would they bother being your friend or socializing with you? Well, it's not that big of a deal. Yes, yes it is a big deal because other people's time matters. So, leave early, plan early, pack early. Do whatever it is necessary to arrive 15 minutes before the meeting time. If you're chronically late and you can't figure out why or how to manage it, 
you may want to consider being screened for ADHD or other mental health conditions that can mess with your executive function. Executive function, it affects the way you organize and execute plans. Chronic lateness is something often associated with ADHD because of how it affects executive function. All right, number eight is being overly critical or judgmental. People who are overly critical or judgmental, they may find themselves alone when those around them get tired of being judged. You know, you shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do that. How about minding your business and letting people live their lives? Uh, As long as they are not hurting anyone, it doesn't matter what your opinion is. But if your goal is to alienate other people, well, that that is a surefire way to do it. So, you always have the opinion to not have an opinion. And if you can't avoid having an opinion, you can choose not to voice it. Besides, when you judge others, you deprive yourself of the fulfilling ability to learn from their life, perspectives, and experiences. So, try to be curious. Take an interest in why other people do the things that they do. You'll learn a lot, and it will help you develop your social skills. And the next, number nine, poor hygiene or body odor. All right, so listen, there's not a lot to say on this subject. People don't want to be around you if you smell bad. It doesn't get any simpler than that. So personal hygiene can be an embarrassing subject for some people, and most often the people who are supposed to teach you about hygiene are the adults that you grew up with. But... What if they aren't really the parenting type? You can have drastic holes in your knowledge of grooming and personal hygiene. So just bathe regularly, at least every other day. Wear deodorant daily. Brush your teeth at least once a daily in the morning. Okay, wash your clothes at least once a week and don't wear them more than once or twice, depending on whether or not they get too dirty. And go easy on the cologne or perfume or bold fragrances. They can give people headaches or bother their allergies. And remember, you typically can't smell yourself because you get used to your own scent, but other people can. That's why you need a regular routine. And last but not least, number 10, being overly emotional or dramatic in social situations. So as you should know, there is a time and place for everything. Certainly, there are times to be emotional and no one will bat an eyelash at it. And some people are just more boisterous than others. However, you might find that people don't want to be around you if you're overly emotional or dramatic all the time. Fatalists who are happy to tell you how horrible and terrible everything is are draining to be around, which is unfortunate. People moving away from them helps to reinforce their negative perspectives. Still, you want to be measured in your emotional responses and how you respond to others. So, the best thing to do is consider recent social interactions where your emotions ran high. And then consider other people around you and how they emotionally responded. 
were your emotions at about the same level as theirs? Being under-emotional is better than being over-emotional. So, if you're under-emotional, that's not as big of an issue. But if you're over-emotional, you may want to take a minute to simply hold your tongue and give yourself a little time to cool off before contributing. Right, 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 right. So, identifying when someone is uncomfortable will help you make a good choice to break off the conversation and move on. Listen, when this happens, you are going to feel uncomfortable too. So, it's important that you don't get mad, lash out, or even take it personally. It doesn't have to be weird. Just leave the person alone and move on. And if you think they might be uncomfortable, ask them, Hey, am I making you uncomfortable? I can go if you want. And if they say yes, then go. That's it. That's all you have to do. And you'll be way ahead of many other people. But how can you tell when someone's uncomfortable? Well, here are a few signs, okay? Abrupt sentences or single word answers. Changes in body language. Like... A person who is rigid in their posture, you know, arms folded, not emotionally reacting with facial expressions, is uncomfortable and wants the conversation to end. And there's a lack of eye contact. You know, this can indicate problems like social anxiety or whatever. So consider how they answer verbally as well. But again, if you're unsure if they're uncomfortable, just ask. Increased fidgeting. You know, they may tap their feet, play with their hair, move in their seat, or shift their weight from foot to foot. Silence and hesitation. You know, because an engaged person will not typically be silent or hesitate in their answers. Instead, they want to share with you. So, good indicators of discomfort are the person falling silent, struggling to find words, or seeming to stumble over their words when they do speak. Alright guys, that's it. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you so, so much for listening. Please make sure to hit that follow button, and I will talk to you guys next time. Bye!